we're back. What's up, everybody? This is At The Hive Live, part of the SB Nation Network of Podcasts. I am Chase. I'm here with James, as always. Today's episode will be a little bit different than our normal episodes, and we'll get into why in a moment. But first, I must ask, James, how have you been doing the last week? I've been doing good. I've been doing good. We should make very clear that this week's episode is a little off the cuff. Like, I think, you know, (laughs) there there hasn't been a lot of Hornets news and we've both been pretty busy, but we are going to give you, we are going to give you a pod and you never know. Sometimes the less you prepare for things, the better it can be. So today, like we have, we're going to three throw, we're going to be shooting the shit. We're just going to be chatting some Hornets stuff. Um, Not that much prep, not that much structure, but it's going to be a fun time. So yeah, I'm I'm doing well though. Got some family visiting at the moment. This podcast is a great excuse to uh, have to leave them for a bit and get some alone time. They think the podcast is taking two to two and a half hours. It is not, definitely not. <laughs> but I'm going to be out in my little office space, and they're not going to know. So yeah, I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm I'm not bad. I, I mean, I've had a pretty good day so far, good, or good weekend, just watching all the first round playoff action. Uh, I mean, I, I just took a sip of my water like two seconds ago after I did that intro and I reminded myself, I, I'm the only person that has probably managed to do this in their adult life, but I bit my own tongue so hard that I like cut a chunk out of it and now I can't eat or drink without feeling pain. So that that has been really fun to deal what, with. What were you eating when you did this? Uh, a breakfast sandwich, like a bacon, egg and cheese on a bagel. That just yeah, Wow, that is impressive. To, right dr- to draw blood is impressive. Oh yeah, there was quite a bit, like quite a bit. It was bad. Ugh. Well, yeah. So other than make that, me want to gag a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully all the listeners are uh, not eating right now, but either way, having a good weekend besides that. So we'll, we'll definitely take it. But so to start this one off, this is why, why this might be a bit of an off the cuff, unorthodox episode. We just wanted to go over our schedule in the upcoming weeks and months, because as you know, the Hornets are done for the year. They will not be playing another basketball game until actually, I don't even really think we know yet. Right. I think, yeah, the October 24th is like the approximated start date that the NBA yeah, has for next season. Like yeah. But I mean, the likelihood that their opening night is October 24th is probably pretty slim. So we've got a while before the Hornets are playing anything on court and have any on court news, but that doesn't mean that you will be short for content from at the hive, No way. both written and uh, audio content. So don't you worry about that, but we will be taking a break next week. So the week or the week of June 6th, there will not be a podcast after that though. We're going to shift like full on into draft mode. We're going to give you guys as much content as we possibly can about the NBA draft this year. Cause James and I are both, pretty avid draft followers even throughout the NBA season when that's not something that the high majority of people are paying a ton of attention to. We both enjoy doing that. So we'll have a, a lot of opinions to, uh, on, to espouse on this podcast. We'll have a bunch of guests coming on to talk as well. Um, and we're going to have big board wars, a mock draft with CJ Marchese, some more prospect rankings with which Carolina, like the bigs episode we did. And then after the draft, we'll switch into the free agency and trades and then, you know, roll into summer league and then take another long break as uh, things get more boring in August or late August and September. And then that brings us back to October when we're back again. So we'll definitely have a lot of content for you guys coming up after next week when we take a 
bit of a refresher, let our brains reset and get fully into draft mode. So, I mean, I, but I'm excited for it, James. I don't know about you. Yeah, and, and we might be off next week, but we are spending our next week time allocated to diving more into draft prospects. Yes. You know, we, are, yes. we are not really breaking. We are just re restructuring our, our focus for next week. Um, and I know we've both been looking at stuff for years, so that should be exciting. I think the other thing to say is, from basically the middle of June, we're going to be middle to late June. We're going to be twice a week just because from then there is a lot of content and one episode a week, like we just would not be able to cover it all. There is, there is so much going to be talking about. So we're going to be basically twice a week for about four to six weeks over. I mean, the draft and free agency are three, four days apart. So that turnaround is, I mean, absolutely crazy. As it was last year, it was just madness. So we're going to be bringing you two episodes a week to, to cover that. But um, and, and I will say, like, this week, we've not planned so much for this week's pod, but we spent, like, 90 minutes on a podcast literally planning out the next, like, three months this week. So we are we are feeling well-prepped for the off-season. I, I don't know about you, Chase. Like, some people are always like, oh, some people just, like, prefer the off-season more than actually, like, the NBA season. I have to admit, right, I am one of those guys that I love – the team building time of the year, the draft free agency. For me, that is at times more exciting than the regular season, which I know some people will like shake their heads at that. And maybe it's just because look, the Hornets regular season and playoffs, like it's never been that successful. Right. So, um, you know, if we got to the finals, yeah, I'd probably be saying something different, but I love this, this time of year that we've got coming up. What, what are your thoughts? Are you like definitely like, oh, I much prefer watching a game than sitting down and, you know, listening about draft talk for an hour and a half? See, I do. I really like the team building, like drafting trade free agency aspect of it, too. Like, I, I don't I would say, I mean, I think I mean, I know you do as well, but I like watching the games better just because that's actual, you know, ball going in hoop, play, running up and down the court playing basketball. But like it is interesting, especially getting to like put yourself in that perspective of like, what would I do if I was actually in charge of these things? And like, the more you like immerse yourself and how that process actually works. It, I, th I also think it's very fun to like, just sit and hypothesize about what might happen or and what you think could happen throughout an off season for, I mean, any team as it, or throughout the entire NBA. So I, I'm definitely into the, I subscribe to the theory that the off season in the NBA, in the NBA is also a very fun time to be a fan as well as just like actually getting to watch. And I'll be honest, there are times where I do prefer it to actually watch a basketball mm -hmm. game because like, and this is probably a, I mean, I know a lot of Americans think of it, but it's like a, an English sports person to play like three or four games in a week is like complete madness. Like if a soccer team plays twice a week, everyone's like losing their crap about the schedule. And I know soccer and basketball is different, but I think just for me, because when there's so many games in a short amount of time, like some of the games just feel there is no way that these guys can be given full effort just because they've played like 10 games in 18 nights or whatever. And those kind of games, I would just like take and throw away. I just prefer that they, they didn't exist. They didn't happen. I would love for the NBA to cut down the number of regular season games. I don't think it's going to happen um, just because of the money side. But that I think that's the only thing I would throw away, you know, 15% of the games where it's just like, nah, this team just doesn't have it tonight. Uh, and I would much prefer to focus like the offseason stuff, much more fun than just those, those small subsection of games, which there were less this year because the Hornets were better, but there are always just some scheduled bad games. 
Yeah, and that's definitely. I I think I agree with you too. Like the uh, the the one that came to mind specifically when you said that was that game they lost against the Bulls towards the end of the year. Yeah, that was that that game didn't need to exist. Like they do they the NBA could definitely deal with cutting uh, performances like that out of their schedule. But like I mean that's obviously not going to happen. Like you said for the money, but I the, the I am excited this offseason because especially because this offseason for the Hornets is like the most interesting one that they've had in a while which is every year which i know is but it's it's, it's, it's it's really true this time around but this though. one this no, is the one it, yeah it's really because like we've got we got lamella we've got all the the lottery pick we've got all sorts of cap space there's plenty to work with here but and speaking of lamella that rookie of the year award should be announced pretty soon here because they've announced most improved uh, who's julius randall and jordan clarkson who won six man so rookie of the year has got to be coming up pretty soon which we assume will be lamella um if it's not then we might have to have a, a whole podcast about that uh in its own right but assuming that it is which he is the heavy odds on favorite uh per points bet right now his minus 2500 to win rookie of the year so it seems that he is uh almost a lock to win so that should be coming out pretty soon i would in the within the first round of the playoffs i would, I would guess i have to say like the Edwards was really good towards the end of the year. I don't think people realize how good Edwards was. He was also really bad to start the year. Um, I didn't really like the discussion about the rookie of the year this year because both sides of like the Lamelo rookie discussion were just like, <laughs> yeah, it's a joke if you think the other one is even in contention here. Which like, why can't we just have a like a serious conversation about two really good young players when like one and three in the draft like. I, I thought it was more, I, don't, I actually think it's more of a discussion than maybe it's being made out to be. But I just think when you look into the advanced numbers, Lamelo just affected winning way more. It's just, I think it's just undeniable from the advanced stats and also from the eye test as well. Um, and like everyone was kind of saying like, oh, when Lamelo comes back, because he's come back, he's locked up rookie of the year. And, and I do get that because for some reason, games played seems to be this big, important thing. At the same time, when Lamelo came back, Anthony Edwards was out playing him. Let's not let's not pretend here. Anthony Edwards was the better player for the last eight, ten games of the season. We know Lamelo was limited because of the wrist, and he was not one hundred percent. That's obvious, but irrelevant of that, he he was being outplayed. Yeah, that's definitely true. And I I pulled this up earlier just out of curiosity, uh, like while I was prepping for the podcast to see like what the splits were. And Anthony Edwards, you're right that he made a really hard push at the end of the year. Post All-Star break, he averaged 23.8 points per game. But pre-All-Star break, he averaged 14.9 points per game on 46.6% true shooting. So he does have like a a real like two halves of your seat. Like one was really bad and one was really yeah. good. But the really good one, like if that, if the really good half had came first and then he was bad, he probably wouldn't be in the discussion right now because recency bias, but he does have it going for him that LaMelo was hindered down the stretch and he like really turned it on at the end of the year. And like, he like, but I, I I'm with you. Like LaMelo play, his team was obviously much better both when he was gone and when he was there. And he played the role that he played on his team was much more significant to like whether or not they were winning on a nightly basis because he was like their lead playmaker once he was inserted into the starting lineup. So I think that would definitely separate it. And I think that's what 
like the voting will probably reflect as well. Like I think Edwards will, it's not gonna be like unanimous. Like Edwards will definitely get his fair share of votes and Tyrese Halliburton might also get uh, a few votes as well, but he, he missed time at the end of the year with a knee injury too. So it will definitely be in, uh, interesting to see like the, the voting breakdown as to like how this, like the discussion we're having right now is like reflected among the NBA media and to see like who, is like, oh, Anthony Edwards was so so bad for like the first half of the season, or oh, Lamelo missed twenty games, and then came back and like wasn't very healthy. So I'm going to give it to the guy who like improved and finished strong. So I think yeah, I think that'll be interesting, and we should find out pretty soon. I don't know how the timing of that necessarily goes in a normal year, but I believe it's usually like the end of the first round, beginning of the second is when the like regular season awards all get handed out. Yeah, so I know today kind of is probably going to be a short episode. We're just going to go straight into our three buzzing questions, each which, which I believe was a request to name by one of the followers in At The Hive. Is that right? Yes, yeah, so it was Adam Cowell. We did uh, back Shout in Adam. the... Co- great, yeah, so- great, great follow on Twitter. I've spoken to Adam a few times. Yes, yeah, so Adam. Big yeah, he's a that. very active commenter on At The Hive too. He's a, definitely a great guy. We When we did that Cody Zeller episode, like however long ago, and we did the three burning questions originally was the was the other half of that show he commented and petitioned to rename it three buzzing questions your petition has been granted is that i don't know if that's what happens to a petition at the end but either way this is now three buzzing questions and we are going to give you or we are going to give each other each three questions to answer we have no prep for this at all neither of us knows like what each other is going to ask so you're going to get the live uncut reaction here James, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, I will let you go first. Okay. My first one's actually kind of easy. So I've never asked you this before. I I realized it like while I was doing this. Who is your favorite player on the Hornets? That's not an easy question. That might be an easy easy question for some people. That is not an easy question. Oh my (laughs) God. Who is my favorite player on the Hornets? I mean, I literally... It is hard. That's true. It's not my, my, my honest answer is I don't have one. Right. I don't yeah. have a guy like I know in the modern NBA sphere, people gravitate towards players almost like more so than teams. But it's a very I think favorite plays is, is a very American kind of way of thinking about sport. Maybe 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 I'm not being fair there. No, but, I think you're I do think you're probably pretty fair about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think like. For me, I'm a Charlotte Hornets fan. And the, I mean, it was always Kemba, right? Kemba would have been That's, the go-to yeah. answer. Like Mr. Mr. Charlotte Hornet for, uh, you know, a, a large number of years. Um, right now, I, I think it's probably difficult. I mean, you know, when I, when I went to Charlotte last year, Jess said to me, if I could get a photo with one Hornets player, which Hornets player would you want it to be and who would you want to speak to? And it's a kind of a similar question, right? Who's your favorite yeah. player? And I was, I was really not sure. And one of the guys, and I gravitated towards, and you're going to laugh when I say this name, Biz might play Humbug. No, I really, yeah, that's, I really, Biz would be awesome to talk to. Because I think Biz is super interesting. What a life to get, what a journey for him to get to this point. Super intelligent, speaks how many languages, vice president of the Players Association. Drafted in Charlotte, probably fifth, fifth all time, I think, in appearances for the Hornets. Um, you know, he's 
he's been the longest attachment. And I think in the world of NBA, you don't have players that are on your team like for a long time, very often. Like Udonis Haslam, not every team has Udonis Haslam, who has wow. been there for like 17 years, or whatever, and just been there all the way through. And Biz has left. He did like season in Toronto, season and a half in Orlando as well. Like he's not been there the whole time. But for the last, out the last, you know, eight to 10 years of being a Hornets fan, Biz has been there most of the time, as has Cody Zeller as well. Um, and he's always just been like infectious personality you can always see so I, i'm gonna go biz which i know like if you listen to this i campaigned for biz not to play quite a lot <laughs> and i guess this is where i try and it's not just for me it's not always about the best player like I, everyone can see who the best player is on the basketball court that's, that's not hard but i when i try and pick a favorite player i'm trying to look at things that are a little bit beyond the the counting stats no, I, I totally, I, I totally respect that. I also look beyond like, like it, I, my thing is my, my motto is that it's okay to like players that don't have a good field goal percentage or that don't average a lot of points per game or don't have a good plus minus or anything like that. Cause nowadays, like if you don't like somebody that's like a superstar, it's like, Oh, why do you like him? He's so trash. Like blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, the, they're like, cool. Like I also, biz would be very high up on my list too. If I, if to talk just any Hornets player to talk to, or like take a photo with or, and stuff like that, because he, he, he's super interesting. That's why I like Terry Rozier. I find him to be a very interesting human being. He's my favorite player on the Hornets. If he wasn't on the Hornets, he would still be my favorite player because he was when he played for the Celtics. I just think he's an incredibly cool, like interesting human being that it would be very fun to talk to. And I totally get that, that not, or the, the idea of like your favorite player being someone that you personally like gravitate towards rather than being like, oh, he's just the guy that scores the most points every time the Hornets go play a game. Yeah. All right. What do you got for me? I've got close to your heart this question. I, I know we haven't had the draft yet, but what do you think happens with the two two way contract spots on the Hornets next year? Which is this is a premature for to ask this question, but really what I'm asking here is what do you think happens with Grant Rilla and Nate Darling? I'm not asking you to like predict who they're going to draft at 57 and who's going to be on a two way. But what do you think is going to happen with those two? Uh, hmm, that is a good question. I haven't really thought about that yet. Um, uh, so I think Nate, Grant Riller is, is a two-year, two-way contract, I believe. So I, okay. I think he is uh, also contracted for next year. Locked Nate in. Darling is not. So I think he's technically a free agent now. Um, I, I mean, I would not be surprised if they sign, depending on how the other – like fringe roster moves go with guys that most likely won't be in the rotation or at least aren't being counted upon to be in the rotation. I wouldn't be surprised if they sign Riller to an NBA deal. That's like maybe two or three years with one or two of them non-guaranteed so they can free up that two-way contract for someone that they like haven't gotten a look at already. Cause they, I mean, they have had Riller in the system for a year. They kind of probably at least have a good idea of what he's about, like what they think that he could be as a player, even though this was a terrible year to be a rookie that on a two-way contract. He did have some good performances in Greensboro. He came in at the end of the, some, some blowouts at the end of the year and had a couple of at least nice-looking jump shots and passes and stuff. So I would be very surprised if he's not back in some capacity. I wouldn't be surprised either if he gets elevated from his two-way status. Darling is another scenario because – his skill is not 
like very replaceable, but definitely replaceable more so than like what Riller has, who's like a pull-up scorer and finisher with some athleticism and playmaking. Darling's just a straight up like shooter. And you can kind of find those guys any year. And if they really like him, I would be total I would be totally fine if they just took him on again to another two-way and let him play an actual season with the Greensboro Swarm. But yeah, I wouldn't he he I wouldn't be surprised if he's not back uh, as, as a two-way player. But I also I – mean, maybe he could be an affiliate player with the Swarm because that will be a thing again this year, which I think will benefit the Hornets again like a lot, like it did uh, in – what was the – see, the, the way that – it was 20 – yeah, 2018, 2019. The way that the pandemic affected like the timing of seasons, okay. make, it makes me forget like how – close but also how how long ago that season was like that season starting in 2018 makes it seem like it was legitimately a decade ago but uh, but either way like I think it will help them a lot like it did that year when they had like multiple two-way players and then they had like Joel Berry down there as well like Robert Franks was like they had a ton of players that they were like and Joe Cheely as well who had played on uh, multiple who's played on multiple 10 days like they had guys down there that they were like fond of and that they knew they might have interest in signing or bringing a role for, even if it was just for 10 days. So I think that maybe Darling will be like a swarm affiliate player. They'll fill that two-way spot with like a bigger player instead of having two guards. And then maybe Riller will be the two-way or elevated. But they, but like you said, they have 56 and 57. So those picks are very likely like draft and stash or two-way player spots, I would imagine. Shout out Joe Cheney. Yes, shout out to Joe. Hey, college teammate of Grant Riller as well. So they got Joe the, they got the connection. The ultimate, like the most Hornets player who's played very few games for the Hornets. Like he's always around somewhere, like a training camp. He's just he just comes in and out, like for like what seems the last three or four years. And like he plays, like he plays really hard. And I remember seeing mm-hmm. he got, I think he got a serious injury this year, so he wasn't able to play. Kobe Simmons is another one of those guys as well. Kobe Simmons, just been around Charlotte now for a few years. Yeah, I, I think um, I think I think you're right. I think Grant Riller will likely be retained on his two-way. Um, I think Nate Darling, like you say, might end up with a swarm in an Exhibit 10 contract where they come, come to training camp and then ends up with a swarm. And I think they maybe use that on, like you say, someone in like 56, 57 range. I, I, I think I agree with that. I would agree with that. Okay. What I got next. All right. So I guess this is also another thing that kind of depends on how the draft and roster building goes, but do you, just as a general question, do you think uh, James Borrego will defend using his own as often next season as he did this season? No, no, I don't. I, yes, I, I'm, I agree with you, but yeah, I think, I think, um, one, I think there'll be more tape out there now of, of hey, breaker yep. zones and it will not be, people will be ready for it now. It will be on the scouting report, which I think you already saw him. They, they already used it less as the season went on, really. Like they, they used it a lot more early. Um, so I think that's, that's one reason. Um, I also think one of the reasons they did it was due to their, their lack of size and the lack of individual kind of like one-on-one defenders. That was another reason I think that could potentially change in free agency with a big. Um, the one thing I will say is Lamelo. I think is a really good zone defender because he kind of frees him to kind of just cause chaos on the perimeter a little bit. Um, so 
I still think it will be part of part of their kind of arsenal of, of things, tools to dip into, but I don't think it's going to be used quite as much. Yeah, same. I think that they'll use it a little bit too. I think it'll be like a like a PJ at the five type of thing. Like if he's playing center, they might just stick him in the middle and have him like kind of be like the matchup guy. And that because that it, it was like really like the, he he adapted it a lot throughout the different season it was like a box of one triangle and two like three two two three zone that changed quite a bit and then trailed off in its usage at the end of the year but yeah I don't I don't think that they'll use it often because there's a reason that you don't use it in the NBA is because teams can beat you with shooting like they're good enough to do that in the NBA in college they're not like that's why Syracuse uses it for the last 86 years with Jim Beheim. it's because most college players aren't good enough to hit five threes in over the course of 40 minutes but in the NBA, you are so that it definitely won't be used as much. But I do respect the creativity of him to pull it out and have it like actually work for such a large stretch. Like, I mean, because they used it more than any team in this in the league for a pretty substantial part of the year. It definitely trailed off at the end because I think the Heat used it a lot and ended up being like the number one like zone defense in percentage of possessions played team in the NBA. Like, I don't know how they measure that even, but. I think it did end up being Miami, but yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about because the way that they'll defend next year will probably be a lot different given the presumed changes that the roster will make. Well, they could also end up having like a a similar problem next year, I guess. And then, you know, did have the same thing. We haven't, that that is totally possible where I guess we're, we're assuming that they'll sign a rim protector given the last, the the glaring issues that have been drawn to that over the last few years. I mean, it is like, isn't it the, the third year in a row we need, we need a <laughs> I, I, it may because if you think about it like the last time you wouldn't be saying that is when they had Dwight Howard but like did people really think of Dwight Howard at that time as like a true bona fide rim protector like I don't even really remember I don't think so <laughs> I don't remember yeah I, th- I think <laughs> like, it, was it might be of... a long time when, when like prime when biz was in his prime basically Roy Hibbert what <laughs> I mean, first of all, I can't, I forgot that he existed and was so good and fell off so quickly. But second of all, yeah, I I think you might be right. Yeah. Just because he was the, he's by far the biggest guy that they have had on the team in like the, the second iteration of the Hornets franchise. Roy Hibbert's first game as a Charlotte Hornet. I'm telling you, man, I was all aboard. I was, I've been campaigning for Roy Hibbert is like a, oh, no risk. Let's, let's take a swing on this guy. And he was so good in his first game for Charlotte. And I'm going to try and fill here while I find his stats. And I was like, yeah, like we've, we've resurrected Roy Hibbert. This is going to be a great Charlotte success story. And then within 25 games, he was just unplayable. It was as simple as that. And, you know, he like, he's the kind of guy you think Steve Clifford would really like, but um, my internet is not loading now, so I can't stall anymore. But yeah, Roy Hibbert. Roy Hibbert might have been their best room protector. So yeah, I'm looking. I've got his Wikipedia page open. So he was a two-time NBA All-Star in 2012, 2014, All Defensive Second Team in 2014. Uh, by 2017, he was out of the NBA. So three seasons after being an All-Star and an All Defensive Player, he was no longer playing. And before that even happened, like in Charlotte and with Denver and the Lakers, it was clear that he was like on his way out. So. It's crazy. It's crazy. The bigs like like him and Al Jefferson, I think, are the two guys from like the mid 2000s that like 
if they had came along five years earlier, they would have been like multi-time all-stars and played a really long career. But like they just at the cusp of like when the NBA was changing, they, they were like in their prime. And then by the time they got close to 30, it was like, Oh, you know, now that your athleticism has like gone away, we really, we can't, we can't do this anymore. And it sucks because Roy Hibbert was so good those years. And that, yeah. And then by the time he got to the Hornets, it was just like, Chase, I found it. I found the game. Right. First game of the season, Charlotte at Milwaukee, 15 points, 10 <laughs> rebounds, three assists, five blocks. Oh my. Yeah. That's a hell of a start. That's a great way to get it. We are Hornets fans. We're doing laps of spectrum. Like they were, they were going crazy. And after that, he only reached double figures and points three times, four times that season. <laughs> That's I mean, it dropped off quick, but it started well. Uh, and then he was traded with Spencer Hawes to the Bucks for Miles Plumley. So, what a star-studded trade that was! <laughs> <laughs> that was the wor- that's worst trade in Hornets history. That, I mean, it is the Miles Plumley trade was was a disaster. It was one of the yeah. reasons we had no cap space for years, and it was all because Steve Cliff, Steve Clifford, and Rich Trade both of them wanted a backup center. They traded for Miles Plumley, which then. Clifford decided not to play because he was out of shape and Lich said to the media, he's just not in shape to play him. And he barely played. And whenever he did play it, he was dreadful. And they took on like, was it two, three extra years of salary? It was, yes. it was an inexcusable trade. It was the most, it was the worst move, probably one of the worst moves of the rich trade in terms of trades. It was that trade. I have nightmares. I have nightmares. Yeah, and then they traded him and uh, Bellinelli, who was traded for a draft pick. Not that it was a, pl- a good player, but either way, for Dwight Moscow? Howard. Uh, no, Moscow. I think it was M- Malachi Richardson that en- ended up being the draft pick that Bellinelli was traded for. But they traded Bellinelli and Plumley for Dwight Howard. So that the that move just kept getting compounded with things that oh, did it, not work. It, it goes more. <laughs> Dwight Howard for Moskov. Moskov for Biz. Oh, good God. <laughs> They have been trading terrible centers since yes. like 2014. And that's Ugh. why we've not been able to have a good center because it's gone from Plumley to um, oh God. P- Hibbert to Plumley, Plumley to Howard, Howard, Howard to Mozgov, who never played a game because it was in the summer, Mozgov to Biz. And we just kept, after the, we basically took on an extra year of Biz's salary instead of Mozgov to gain a couple of second round picks, which was mm-hmm. actually fine. And, and Biz played for us. It was not a bad trade considering Mozgov was never going to play a game. Um, but I mean, that trade, the Plumley trade, Biz is expiring last year. was like, it only just ran out. It, it's crazy. Anyway, we, we have got down a dark, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, yeah. shaped rabbit hole there. Yeah, we definitely, I'm glad that we, we recounted all of that though. <laughs> that we yeah. mapped out the, the terrible, the terrible road through the center position the last like way, way too many years, way too many years. Yeah. But I don't even remember who's next. Did I? Me. I it was asked, me. It was okay. me. I was, I was shooting you my second buzzing question. Right. All right. I just want to know, and I'm only going to ask for you, well, I'm going to ask you top five, right? You remember we did an episode prospect rankings. Okay. Mm-hmm. But halfway through the season, after Sam Vecini published his, we ranked, and your top five were, and I've got it here, so don't worry, I'm not going to put you on the spot. Your top five were Lamella Ball, number one, PJ Washington, number two, Devontae Graham, number three, Miles Bridges, number four, Malik Monk, number five. Chase Whitney, would you change 
any of your top five in prospect rankings? And just to make sure that like, the veterans aren't including this, I think it was 25 or 26 and under um, for, for the listeners, you might not remember. And, and what would your new top five be? Yes, I, w- I, I would put Miles at three. Oh. And then it would be hard between Devontae and Malik. But I guess uh, Devontae is technically like about to come off of that list because he's like old and on his second contract. You can't get out of it that way. No. Oh, all right. All right. All right. Fine. Fine. No, fine. I'm not letting. I'm not allowing this. Okay. I'll put. Uh... <sighs> It's like I don't I don't like uh, doing this because it makes me feel like I'm uh, dis discounting my guy Devonte, but I think I have to put Malik at four and Devonte at five. But I but that being said, uh, I would definitely keep like both of them around. I, I, that is not something being like oh I would I would have Malik ahead of Devonte uh, convincingly. Like I think both of them are very close to each other. But with given Monk's uh, improvement in his shot both or from long range and with as like a pull-up shooter and a shot creator this year and the consistency of it in general, I think he put himself a lot closer to that. And he's just so much younger too. It's, it's hard to not take that into consideration. Cause I mean, Devante got improved a lot at like an older age, but at a certain point, it's kind of like, you are what you are. Like how, how long do you like, do you expect him to take a huge jump in finishing inside the arc next year? I don't. I don't think I do. Like, I think we probably, like he's going to be an elite pull-up shooter, a really good pick and roll playmaker that isn't a very good finisher inside the arc, which is a very good player. But the- Malik has potential to be more than that. That's the only I'm going to disagree with you. I think, I think Devontae could make a leap. I, I think, think this could. year, I think this year, well, you just said he couldn't. So I, well, I'm not that he couldn't. I, I'm not anticipating, <laughs> I'm not anticipating it at this point. I, I, like, I, I don't, I, I'm I don't, anticipating I'm not, it. Okay. I'm anticipating it. I think, this year, he had a few injuries, right? He, I think it was quite obvious he was playing hurt. I think he lost a lot of his bounce um, from his injuries. I also think that he will be going into this offseason knowing that he just has to get better. And I know it was the same last year. Like, it wasn't like it, you know, everyone was asking him the same questions last year. But I've just It was the same faith. thing at Kansas, too, honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've just got faith that he's going to work hard enough to find ways with floaters, with get becoming a better like pull up two point shooter. I just think it's going to be one of those things where I back Devonte's work ethic for him to get there. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to be good, right? He's never going to be good, but he was legitimately like the worst inside the arc scorer in the NBA at volume this year. And I think he can move from being like, you know, hundredth percentile worse to like 75th where he's just ordinary bad. I think he can do that. With confidence, with health, and with an off-season of work. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely reasonable. I saw a tweet uh, from Jackson Frank, who does a lot of very good writing on various different NBA topics and on Twitter. He he tweeted that Steph Curry shoots a higher percentage on threes than Devontae did on uh, layups or shots in the restricted area this year, which, like, to putting it in that perspective is not not – doesn't it doesn't make you feel very great but like I still think he's a really good player like just what he even what he is right now like if he doesn't improve whatsoever shooting inside the arc for the rest of his career I still think he's a really good player that's like worth having on the Hornets especially but even like any playoff contending team like I think he has a role as a 
spot starter, like sixth, seventh man that just because he is a really good pull up a three point shooter. And he and does. He, he does get to the line. Like he he yeah. had some nice games getting to the line. He's and quite he got smart, a lot better savvy. at defense too. Like, He's a really it, good defender now. If they if they change the rule about like initiating contact as a jump shooter, Devontae could be in trouble because Devontae drew so many like BS fouls this year, like especially in the three point like diving into people. I'm I'm not a fan of that stuff, so I, I'm glad that they're gonna do it. But Devontae's got to be ready if that's the case. Um, just to go back to your rankings. You still got PJ number two. I thought that was I thought that was interesting. I think it in my head. So I was going. I'm doing working on an article at the moment for at the Hive, looking at trades. And in my head, I I didn't even realize this until I started looking at trades. In my head, my my press ranking. I now value Miles Bridges more than PJ Washington, which I think is a bit of recency bias. Absolutely. Um, and PJ is still younger. And after PJ's, after Miles' second season, I was like so down on him. So what's to say that PJ kind of a monster third year? It, it can happen. Um, but a li- little bit of a hot take, I think, maybe. I, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe I'm just reading too much into it. Is, is that a close one for you or is that firm? No, I mean, it is close. I, but it's like close, but also firm. Like I, I would definitely. Really? Like, yeah, like I definitely think PJ is probably the number two for me because I think he's better defensively, like by not by like a, a lot, but by enough, I think, to make it to where he was because he was just inconsistent on offense this year. He wasn't like bad. He just because he had his his stretches like he had towards the end of the year, he was shooting 50 percent uh, from three for like a seven or eight game stretch, I think it was like. And there was also times earlier in the year where he had good games. He had that 40 point outburst against the Kings. His only real weakness as an offensive player is finishing at the rim, which is a huge weakness. And it's something miles (laughs) is really good at. So it like they contrast and it makes miles be like, Oh, he finishes everything. He'll dunk on like, like Jesus Christ himself. If he was there, like it, it, he, if it it does make it like a little bit different because especially when PJ is like missing a layup or, is goes like one for seven from three or something. It's kind of like, like, what, what are we, where's, where's this offensive consistency going to come from here? Because he he did it all of his rookie season, but at at points last year, it just seemed like he was invisible when he was out there and having a bad games, but his good games were really good. So I'm going to, I think I just place more stock in those, I guess would be the answer because this year was just so like such a weird thing. And the second year, players always have so always struggle but his defense was still really good like i don't think that was inconsistent like he was like the best we we've talked about this before the best defensive minutes up for the hornets were when pj was playing center and yeah. like he he was the best rim protector on the hornets this year at six foot seven so i mean things like that are only going to get better to me like i and for miles i think he is more of like a like he plays the four, but I think he'll be able to like on defense, he'll be like a guy that defends fours and like the bigger wings more so than PJ who defends fours and can switch and like beat and bang with centers in the paint when he needs to, I guess. And to like, especially for the Hornets, like they, they need that type of skill set a lot. I mean, they need it out of another player too. We can't just be PJ cause he's, he is a four as his main position and he's only six, seven. They need somebody else that's big on the team. But right now, especially that role is like critical for a PJ to play. Interesting. 
Miles Randy is really Brown, good, though. I will, uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. T- I'm not trying to take away from Miles at all. He's very good. I, I, he improved a ton this season. Like, I, w- I wonder what the vote would be. We should do a vote on like, the Hive. Yeah, we should. Uh, we should just, just uh, Miles Bridges or PJ Washington, just like that. No, no more context. Yeah, pick one. Like I think that'd be interesting. I, I really don't know what the fan base. I think the fan base would vote Miles. I think I would guess it. I think so too. Yeah, I think especially because. The, just the the high scoring performances yeah. recently, the shot creation yeah. as, as well. Like PJ, as good as he is offensively when he's hot, like he's not grabbing the ball, taking no. five dribbles, ISO, step back three right in your face. Like that's just not his game, which is com- totally fine. But yeah, Miles made that a part of his game and credit to him because he did. Yeah. And that, that like with that one, two, three with LaMelo, PJ, Miles, that is a really strong top three of your of players on rookie contracts still one of the strongest in the league so bright future in charlotte baby something crazy i've just found in basketball reference i'm just completely changing the topic you made great points but this is just blowing my mind Jalen mcdaniel's cousin do you know who it is uh i know he has a cousin but that is like also famous or something but and do you want howard yes yes that's yes now i remember yes sorry like isn't Juwan Howard like 30 years older than Jalen McDaniels? Yeah, I think. How are they cousins? So, I'm uh, uncle. I would have got uncle. That'd so jo- I think Juwan has a son that's he that goes to Michigan right now. So maybe it's like Juwan is related to, or is like the child of of one of Jalen's like aunts or uncles, and that aunt or uncle is just like much older than Jalen's parents or something. I don't know. I mean, it must it be. Has, I guess so, it, the math on mind, that would not work, I guess, if it wasn't like that. Yeah. I had no yeah. idea that was a thing. No, I, I remember like, it, yeah. I feel like I would have heard it on a... Well, I guess... I, I think I Eric like heard, said it one time, and it just... Uh, well, in passing I would have felt like I'd heard it on a broadcast, but John Howard yeah. isn't on the heat bench anymore, so I guess it makes sense that you've not heard it recently because he's in Michigan. So, okay. Um... Over to you, your, fi- your final buzzing question. Hit me. All right. So this isn't a Hornet-specific question, but this is I like lo- I love thinking about this stuff. This kind of relates to what we were talking about earlier with like the offseason and like team building aspects. But this has been a hot topic lately. And given that the Hornets were the most recent expansion team in the NBA, the, since the NBA is looking to potentially add two more franchises to expand to 32 teams to offset the money that they lost in the pandemic – where would you put those two teams and why? London, London Lions. Let's I do was it. hoping you would say that. I was hoping <laughs> you'd say that. Oh, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, that would honestly be really cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it would be. Hey, that would be so cool. I'd still be a Hornets fan. And I know people think I'm crazy, but I'd be like, no, screw the Lions. Um, <laughs> oh, where would I put? Where would I put this match? I mean, you're really testing my knowledge of American geography right now. This is why I asked, is because I was I know you didn't have any like premonitions about Las Vegas or Seattle or Vancouver or whatever. So I was one like, thing hey. I will say is over lockdown, one of the, you know, like how people did that learn things over lockdown. You know what I learned? All 50 American states. There you go. I don't know any of the I know all the Canadian provinces. I don't know any of like the like. Wait, where... why do you know the Canadian provinces? My girlfriend is from Canada, so I, I know like the high majority of them. Was that and... to like try and impress her? You would just be no, like, no, I oh, actually I really knew a lot because like... I Nova cause... Scotia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love uh, Prince Edward Island. I'm a huge yeah. uh, 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 what is the none of it is the is like the really northern one where all the walruses live. But yeah, I don't know any. What are they called? Provinces and 
England or are they states? No, they're called or... states. Um, oh, okay. No, they're not called states. Well, a... <laughs> Wrong country. Go, go out to a bar and say that. <laughs> See, yeah. no, but... They're called counties. Okay. See, I, I, yeah. Okay. Those are just small. Okay. So we're getting into some geography, uh, municipality talk here, but they're, those I did are not like... know. I did not know um, your girlfriend was from a fellow Commonwealth country. Yeah. She's from New Brunswick. The, yeah. God save the queen. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, they got it oh, on all the, all their money up there. Yeah, she's big on. Commonwealth games fan. Love, love a Commonwealth. Of course. Uh, Toonies and loonies. Just forget about all the killing and the pillaging the British did. Yeah, over the course of hundreds <laughs> of thousands of years but either way we're all yeah we're all friends <laughs> we still have our queen on their money i think maybe that was no but yes anymore. no no they do yeah it's yes. uh yeah because elizabeth have, still getting strong that the best thing about canada they have one and two dollar coins and i think this is everywhere other than america that has this because america we hates do. poor people and they don't want poor people to be able to find coins on the street and pay for things with like a dollar or two dollars but that's a totally different discussion but they like being able to just find like a what it what would be a quarter, but have it be worth two dollars. Like that's insane. You could be like ten years old, find five of those things, and you are rich walking into the gas station to go get candy. Like I, that, it's like the most underrated thing about 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 can or anywhere can, that isn't America. <laughs> you can tell that we've not we're not bringing our A game to this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. We, there's not <laughs> much going on for, with in Hornets uh, Hornets news lately. We're literally talking about coins. Chase. Yeah, yeah <laughs> uh, foreign country currency. Yeah, the, that's definitely yeah. definitely has a lot to do with uh, the basketball operations of the Charlotte Hornets. Well, so, right, where, where are you thinking for these? Expansions? Yeah, and I'm gonna right. I'm gonna give a I'm gonna give a team straight back to Seattle. Okay, number one. Yeah, that's I would, yeah same. Seattle SuperSonics makes sense. Next team. I'm going. This is a deep cut. This is, and I have, I have a very selfish reasoning for this. Montgomery, Alabama. <laughs> there we go. Isn't that, uh, so your grandmother's from there and that's like the first place you bought a Hornets or Bobcats jersey, right? Absolutely. That's right. There we go. There we go. Or, uh, in fact, maybe to make it a little more beachy because I do like the beach. Let's go uh, like Mobile, Mobile, okay. Alabama. Yeah. Little, little, uh, little more beachy a little bit closer yeah let's go mobile just just south alabama gulf coast and i know you've got new orleans like three and a half hours away i don't care right we we are we're heading to the deep south the deep south needs more teams the Mo, the mobile mud crabs there we go we just made that up there we go that's uh, a good one i actually like that <laughs> I don't even know if a mud crab exists, but it sounds I, that like sounds it like it would be a minor league like uh, MLB baseball team name. They always do crazy names for teams like that over here. Yeah, I've been to uh, the Pensacola Wahoos. Pensacola Wahoo, Blue Wahoos. Yeah, I've the been, uh, the team in my town is the Portland Sea Dogs. They have the Hartford Yard Goats in Connecticut. They got a bunch of crazy stuff. Yeah. So no, in terms of being real, like where else could you put a team? Where else could you put a team? Uh, you know, honestly, Mexico City. Yeah, I like that'd be that cool. That'd be cool to have a team in Mexico. I think it would be doing a lot for the league. Um, it would be a bit of a culture shock, probably, for some Americans going living there. Uh, but look, I think it'd be. I think it'd be really cool. I think that would be cool as hell too. Another one that I think would be cool is Virginia Beach, uh, like the area. I don't know it. Yeah, see, it's. There are like five cities in that area. It's like Portsmouth, Virginia, Newport News, Norfolk, and like that that whole area has a ton. Of, it's like the largest 
uh, like metropolitan area in terms of population that doesn't have a professional sports team in it in oh. America. So now that or now that now that Las Vegas has that hockey team there, and the I market. do, yeah, and I do think that the NBA kind of like doesn't necessarily want a full time team in Vegas because they have the summer league there. So they kind of have like a whole like an imprint there. Putting it in Virginia Beach because at like Allen Iverson is from there, so like it's a it's a pretty popular area for basketball anyway. A lot of good players that play like high level college basketball come from there. Again, there are a ton of people. There's not really a team close to it. The t- closest markets would actually be the Hornets and the Wizards, and I don't really think there are that many Hornets fans in Virginia Beach. Nor would anybody from Charlotte change from being a Hornets fan to root for Virginia Beach. And the same goes for the Wizards, even though those teams like aren't huge demographics so i think that one would be cool but and no one really talks about it but yeah i think vegas and seattle would probably be like the popular ones chase i know Mexico city is cool too though they have that G League team there now right yes yes they just started a league team there which i think is a little little indicator that might be i might be looking at it yeah they're looking i I think the nba would like i mean they've just started the african basketball league um basketball african league um i know like whenever the NBA used to come and play games over in London. It would be a question that would get asked to Adam Silver every single year. Like, would you look to have a team in Europe? And I think basically they've said if they were ever to do that, they would basically have to have a division in Europe rather than a team uh, just for travel purposes. So it's basically a team would travel over to Europe and play the European division like for a week or two and then travel back to the States. Um, I mean, it'd be interesting. I, I don't think it's close. It doesn't feel close. I think momentum isn't behind it and i just how would that work logistically man like that would just be so crazy i i don't know i don't know how that would work honestly i don't so it would be um, tough to ask players to make those flights like that often yeah yeah i i know you said i know i don't know if we talked about this in there but you're thinking about maybe trying to go to summer league this year in vegas yeah, yeah so i would I, I would love to do that it'd be i want to try to go really so badly. so do i and i want to go to vegas for the other vegas reasons <laughs> yeah for, that i mean i won't lie that is a huge contributing factor as to why i want to go there as well <laughs> well because and it's a two-thirds on stones right like some of the like for me and you who like love the draft and love summer league like that's great okay mm. and seeing all the team's prospects and you've got vegas there like it's a two-in-one so i i don't want to go to vegas when summer league isn't on, because then I'm going to like have to go back another time for summer league. I want to hit the two. So what I'm saying is please don't go this year, save up and we can both go next year because then hopefully travel to Vegas will be allowed for me. Cause I can't do that. Oh, this that's year. so true. Yeah. So honestly, yeah, I, I might be down for that. Cause it, it's a uh, Vegas is not the cheapest place on earth either, which we would learn very quickly when we landed there, but I would, that would honestly, yeah, that would be sick. So that's what we're doing. All right, we're planning it out for uh, August of 2022. Book, uh, cross it out on your calendar, mid-August. Vegas. Let's there do we it. go. At the live, at the hive live from summer league. I wonder the, all the all the draft picks that will be there are like 16 right now, but we'll get we'll <laughs> yep. get stu- started on our studying. Right, you- my last my last buzzing question. We'll put the <laughs> listeners out their misery. <laughs> <laughs> the, last, the last buzzing question. Jesus Christ. Right. Um. Does Gordon Hayward have a, well, not does he have a good or bad contract? Was the Hayward signing a good decision? Yes. Yes. I think so. Okay. If he, I mean, provided he like plays the 
relative amount of games that he played this year. I can't, year. I can't guarantee that, Chase. No, you can't. But I feel like, can you really guarantee that for like anybody? Granted, more so him because of his recent injury history. It's not as much of a guarantee, but it's never really a guarantee. Anybody can get hurt at any time. He could also come back and be like completely healthy. Like earlier, I always think of this with like when someone is deemed as like injury prone. Steph Curry was like labeled almost as a bust because of how many ankle injuries he had early in his career. And those are not something that's like easy or common to come back from and just do it. But he did a complete 180 and is now one of the best basketball players of all time and hasn't had an ankle problem in many years. Like, so not that Hayward's going to do that obvious, that same trajectory, but you never really know. Like they could just click like one off season. He could really get his body right. And like he could just change his playing style. Not that that has a ton to do with it. It's mostly just luck, but like he could just change how whatever his body movements on the court so that he's at less of a risk for it or something. And then he might just never suffer something serious again. Certainly he could miss 20 games again next year. And then we would be looking at it like this kind of stinks that uh, like this guy that's supposed to be really good isn't playing, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think that'll happen. And the other thing is like the only concern really with it about it is the cap purposes, yeah. but I'm, I'm increasingly beginning to learn that like the salary cap is like, it's just a figment of our imagination. If Michael Jordan wanted to go over it, he can go over it by like as much as he wants to, like he could just spend a bazillion dollars. Like Joe LaCobb is paying $70 million just for the Warriors to have Kelly Oubre and they didn't even make the playoffs. Like just one player added $70 million to their luxury tax bill. And he was just like, yeah, whatever. Kelly Oubre, totally worth it. Like Kelly Oubre is a good player, but we can pay Gordon Hayward $30 million if the Warriors are going to do that for a guy who is not as rich as Michael Jordan are going to do that for a player who is not as good as Gordon Hayward. I think we'll be fine. Like, I don't think that will ever be like a real problem unless it's made to be one by like, the people who like it's, it's only a problem if you want it to be basically is how I view the, the salary cap and the luxury tax and all that now. So the, so the we'll, number doesn't concern me. It's just him. Playing. Well, we'll come back to the Hayward thing. Firstly, do you know that J Joe Lacob's name is pronounced Joe LaCub? Le- 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 or, I, I heard it. Someone say, I or think am I wrong? This is what I now need to find out because I was like, who the hell is Joe LaCub? It's Joe Lacob. I swear. But I am not an ex. So I'm. You're so confident that you said it that way. I was like, Chase must know something here. I feel like I've heard someone say it out loud recently, but I, you, you could totally be right. I, I have. I just said it. I just let it fly. I, frankly, I have no idea to be honest. I wish what we could go on his Wikipedia page and it would have like. I've got it here actually. Lay cub pronounced lay cub. Okay. All right. So, yeah, yeah, Joe Joe Lacob, we'll go back, we'll edit all that out. Get Lacob out. But I I feel like Lacob makes him sound way more sophisticated. Yeah, it's like it'd be like the L A with the capital C, like with like an accent over the A or something. Yeah, a bit Lacob. Yeah. Yeah. Good good branding for him. A lot of money. Anybody else can pay a lot of money if they want to, but you know. Um, back to Hayward. Look, I'm still not sure. I, yeah. I always said, like, you, you, everyone's saying, oh, well, you're getting, like, his first two years will at least be good. Well, we just got half a year. So he's now got another ankle injury. We know that, like, bad sprained ankles can bother you for years or two. Like, it's just weaker. And it's obviously a really bad sprain. 
I'm I'm still not sure. I'm still not sure on it. I I wasn't at the time. I didn't like the signing. I I still don't think I still don't think I would have done it. I can see why. I can see the benefits. Like I'm not saying it's disaster. I'm just saying I don't think I I would have done that if I was if I was at the helm. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if I would have either, to be honest. Like mainly because I get we I guess we didn't really even know he would be like an option going into free agency. I, I don't think I don't know if I would have either, but I definitely get why. I think it it worked in the way that they thought it would. It like gave them some legitimacy as an organization and being like, yeah, this guy's a, like a marketable player. That's like a, he has established himself in the NBA. He chose to come here and he played well when he was here. He did. He had a bit of a slide before he got hurt anyway. But I mean, we we're, we are quick to forget that he was in the conversation to be an all star like he for a good bit of the first couple months of the season, had a 50, 40, 90 season averaging like 22 points a game. Like if he gets back to that, not even those exact numbers, if he's averaging like close to 50, 40, 90, 20 points a game, 19 or something, as LaMelo and the other young players continue to get better, it will become less of a requirement for him to be like the Gordon Hayward that he is was this season or could be or could have been in the last few seasons. So I, don't, I think it's a good, I think, I think it'll be a good signing. I also just think that, his like style of play is like conducive to aging. So like, even if he's still injury prone, like I don't think his game will fall off necessarily because he just, the way that he scores right now doesn't require athleticism. It just requires skill. And he has a ton of that. I'm curious. Uh, this is kind of Hayward related and you might not know. Everyone always jokes about Gordon Hayward being a Republican and you know, support for Trump. Is, is that something that he has said or done at some point? Or is this just a thing that people have drawn a line to because he's white? Uh, see, I think, uh, like, I don't want to, I don't want to say too much because uh, it, his, his wife is much more vocal than he is, I will say about these types of things. Okay. And, I just had, I never, I never knew where it came from, but I've seen it out there. Like, so yeah. I'm just generally asking, I'm not trying to point fingers here. I'm just curious. No, like, and part of it is that the Celtics like online fan base community is like very active and popular and uh, like they, they like to, you know, make jokes about that type of things. Like when like uh, stuff like that. So it came out, I think that his, his, in his wife's name, there were donations made to Mitt Romney's like campaign who ran against Barack Obama in 2012 when he played for Utah and Mitt Romney was like the Utah senator, governor or something like that. Okay. So that he and he was a Republican. I think I don't he has never I don't think has ever directly said anything even remotely political because to be honest, like I'm like, he may, I don't know what, I don't want to make any assumptions on like what he supports. Like he could do, he could be a Trump supporter. He could not be. I think mainly he is a video game and basketball supporter. <laughs> like, yes. I don't think he really cares about that many things that aren't basketball or like, or video games, which is totally fine. He makes way too much money to care about things that like don't affect like his life personally. He's, I, I don't, I don't blame him for not. Yeah. And I think that up. that's the point I just want to make. Like, the guy's never even done or said anything like irrelevant of what's going on. Like I, I just don't always feel comfortable with some of the stuff that I see out there. Like 
come on, man. It's, it's not like he's out here shoving whatever his views are in your face. Like he's literally not said. Yeah, no, he's not like, like a, he's not like a Myers Leonard out here being like a, no, a like a no, total idiot. Like, no. he, yeah, he literally doesn't say anything. I like the joke. Like, yeah, I think it's just an opportunity for people to get jokes off, which I guess, you know, they're yeah, going to, they're going to take that. And I don't, I don't blame them at all. Like, I guess, but yeah, I don't think he's ever said anything like directly that would, that would warrant that. And on that topic, we need to switch from Gordon Hayward and direct this at the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat are the NBA's Republican team. We need to we need to start channeling that energy towards them. It's not it's not Gordon. Gordon is not the problem. Yeah, well, I, you know what? I don't want to channel any politics anywhere. I just like, and that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, I just see kept seeing these people drawing these lines, and I just I was generally wondering if I'd missed something. So I was just curious. I I just think let's let's just keep the I don't know. Yeah, no, it, it is like. I don't know. I don't I don't know how it start like how people found out about the original thing cuz it's been going on for a long time. Like I mean people can find out about anything. I mean remember the true. whole um It was like early in his Boston days when like I like Jerry Colangelo thing at Philly where people tracked down that it was his yeah, wife his who had the account. Twitter account because of a fa- like people can track anything down right now like if they oh, want yeah. to. So um yeah, I'm not surprised people found it or found some some tenuous link through his wife. But oh well, okay, that's fine. I just wanted to clarify. That's good. Yeah, no. Let's yeah. uh let's let sense. the people out the misery. Let's let's finish this. Yeah, we need we a break. Will, yeah. We need a week break. Yeah, we are rolling in. So we again we will not have a show next week after that, uh the second week of June. We are full on draft mode. It'll the first episode will be a big board wars and second round sleepers. James and I are gonna run through the players that we have ranked either too high or too low on our own personal big boards of the 2021 NBA prospects, and then we'll talk about some guys that will be or could be sleepers and to look at in the second round for the Hornets because they've got got two picks and all the future picks for draft ammo, but. Yeah, we'll let you guys off the hook for this week. We'll send you on your merry way. No episode next week. Thank you guys for listening for along the whole season. I, the, now that we're officially switching gears, we appreciate you all for sticking with us and listening and downloading and following and doing all that fun stuff that helps us out. And we appreciate all the feedback that you've given us. We hope you're along for the ride this offseason. Again, it's the most interesting one the Hornets have had in a while. So you guys got to stick around. All right. And I forgot where the stop recording button is. I'm not even going to edit this out. We'll, We'll let this. Okay, there we go. All right. Another episode at the Hive Live. See you later, guys.